Oh my gosh. So Jared, are you, so you know it's so funny that we we've, we've known each other for if we really want to go back in time almost what almost twenty years or so, and the fact that I haven't right. seen you in like ten, and then out of the blue you see one of my live streams and you're like let's do this and I say okay let's do this and then when I call you out on it suddenly it's wait what was this to do? I'm just making. Fun I forgot. Of I know I forgot which one I joined on, but for some reason it just showed up and I listened for like a couple of seconds and then I just started listening for the rest of it. So, but it was a very interesting conversation. I just don't remember what it was. Oh, was it, I thought it was the body language one. <sighs> no, it might have been. I, I forgot the guy's been. name, but he was really good. Yeah. No. I, look, all my guests are good, so you have a little. You got to live up to it. So, uh, yeah. Jared Keesling, are you ready for the mic is listening? Sure. All right, let's do this, my friend. The mic is listening. 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 Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to The Mic is Listening. My name is Sia, and if you notice, things are kind of different today. I have a different location. I actually have a client that's in our podcast studio uh, recording all day, so I figured, you know what, why don't I have a little fun? And after last week's recording on site at Aloft, I decided why don't I just record here in the lobby of City Central, which is our co-working space that we've uh, rented our studio from. And all good ideas and good intentions are awesome if you plan it. And of course, I am breaking one cardinal rule I suggest to all my clients, which is always have an earpiece. Well, today, we're not doing that because I forgot it. So I'm here to uh, just prove and show you that sometimes you just kind of roll with it and it's not life-threatening. So if you might hear a little bit of reverb, it could be because we're in the open space here, but also because um, you're probably going to hear the speaker from Jared talking a little bit. So hopefully it's not too bad today, but you know what? We'll rock and roll it with it because, well, there's perfection and imperfection, as I always say. So I am pretty stoked for today because, as I had mentioned before, I don't know if you heard it in the intro, was... When you have really good friends, colleagues that you haven't talked to in forever, but it's like you just kind of bond with each other. And no matter how long time flies, when you reconnect, it's as if nothing happened or changed. We're going to test that theory out today because I have not <laughs> talked to this person in like 10 freaking years. So everyone, welcome to the Mike is Listening Show. Mr. Jared Keesling. welcome, sir. Glad to be here. Thank you. <laughs> so okay if any i mean we're just gonna have to we're gonna reminisce about a lot of things but the way jared and i met was at sonic wall back at the turn of the century yes i said yes. turn of the freaking century <laughs> oh yeah we and uh, we were both in sales together inside sales actually and um it has been a very interesting working relationship with Jared because he's a freaking comedian and come to find out as years have gone by he's quite the actor i should have known it from the jump he was such a ham and clown all the time. So, Jared, <laughs> dude. Well, you were my you were my boss too. Remember that? Wait, did I manage you? I don't remember if I yeah, managed you. Yeah, did I? yeah. So, remember like when they they took all the inside folks and they had three managers, right? I think it was you and Dennis Landon and was it Nung Lee? Oh, Nung Lee. Yeah, Nung Lee. And it was yeah, three yeah, of yeah. you guys managed the rest of us. And I reported unto you. I actually, I think oh. I took over 
the southeast from from Nungli. Nungli. Right? <clears throat> yeah. So who backfilled? Did anyone backfill me when I left or no? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'm pretty I'm sure confident was, no one backed me up. Like, what was your territory? I well, I had so Dennis had the west, and I was right. supposed to have central, and then, um, uh, gosh, who was it? Uh, oh my gosh, I forgot his name. Jeff Fang left. Yes, and then Jeff I just Fang. took over the east, and then they brought Noon Leon to do the east, and then <clears> I was central, and then. Yeah, I think they ended up not backfilling me, and they just had Dennis and Nungli split, I think. Or did they make you a manager sense. at some point? I don't remember, man. It's 20 years ago. No. They they made me a manager when you left. So, like, SonicWall acquired some, like, real-time backup company called Lasso Logic. I don't know if you remember that. I don't think you were there. And that was, <sighs> like, the first, like, manager experience that I had in sales, which scared the crap out of me because at that point um, – they said, hey, Jared, we're going to promote you to a manager. Uh, but your first uh, job is to go up to San Francisco and evaluate 20, 30 sales reps. And you can only pick three to come back down. And the rest we're going to you know, basically can. And I was like, oh, this is a great profession to be in. So literally went up to San Francisco. I sat and I listened in to all these um, people on the phone and how they conversed with, with customers and prospects. And I was like, man, some of these guys are really good. So yeah. um, I had selected three and then uh, came down, talked to my VP. And then I think we went up there a couple of days later and it was just kind of a firing squad. Like one person would come in, you're not getting an offer. One person, you're getting an offer. And I was just like, I'm like, you know, I'm super young in, in my sales career. And this is like the first time I'm having to basically tell people that you're out of a job. And I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to get into that, you know, no. category again, because it's very frustrating. I, so. I, that was like, to me, it was like, okay, first off, I did, I knew I always didn't necessarily want to have children, but like after that management role, thank you, Sonic Wall. Uh, right? That was like, it was done for me. I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. I, I think I made the right choice in my life. I can't have kids. Like, I just can't do it because nothing's worse than managing adult children. And we were adult children. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Guys, oh, yeah. I, I'm a big believer in uh, cult company culture and community and relationships. And like everyone just kind of like, you know, you spend so many hours together in sales, especially that you do form this dysfunctional family, familial type relationship. And we did. And I think to this oh, yeah. day, I think if, if any of us emailed each other and said, let's do a reunion, I assure you, we probably get a good solid 30, 40 people. Don't you think? Absol oh yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering what the place was that we went to almost every Thursday night. <laughs> well, it was like an Irish bar or something. I forgot the name of it. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the first one I was thinking was like the one that we shouldn't talk about the brass rail. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. That was it. That was it. They had a good uh, lunch buffet, though. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I know. I know. Okay. So, so okay. The the, the focus of, the, of of today's topic, and, and look, we we can have a lot of fun here, and 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 we do because that's the whole thing about sales is you really have to have passion for the product or service or solution or whatever you're doing. Now, there are some sales folks who couldn't give rats, you know what, and just take the you know paycheck and run. But I feel like the most successful reps are the ones that actually care, like they actually believe in what they're doing. And trust the organization that they represent that they're not going to do wrong. I would like to think at least, you know, yep. for the sake of a customer, I, I would like to think that. Um, how has things evolved when you were from Sonic Wall back in what, 2002, <laughs> 3, 4, whatever, to now? 
because you're you're you've moved out from the inside sales now to the field. So what what have you seen? If you summarized um, your your career path, well, it's definitely got a lot harder. Um, you know, because obviously, the technology itself in the last twenty years, how the last two weeks have evolved. So that's one thing that you really have to keep up with is not just understanding of the product you're selling, but the competitors' products and how it integrates and all that. So. I mean, back in the SonicWall days, you know, there wasn't a breadth of products that they have right now, right? But the one thing that, um, from a sales perspective, that I've always uh, had right from day one is if you just keep the customer in focus as your main priority, you're going to go quite well through your sales career. And even if the technology changes, the competitors change, the how you sell changes, the way that you're managed, the company you work for. If you just focus on the customer, the rest of that stuff kind of falls in line. So I think it's gotten harder. It's gotten more complex. Um, it's keeping you more on your toes because one fundamental shift that um, a lot of salespeople um, do, and I've recently learned this even being in sales for 20 plus years, is the shift from selling solutions as a solution-based seller to more of an outcome-based seller. And what that means is if you are more moving towards an outcome-based seller, you really have to understand the customer and their business and how that relates to your technology. So if they're spinning up new sites, if they're increasing the remote workforce, if they're you know, acquiring companies, how does that relate to your technology? And can your technology overlap those initiatives to give them a positive outcome? And that's a big fundamental shift that was not back, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, it, it wasn't there. In fact, it was all about speeds and speeds, it seemed like, right? I think it was like yep. a shiny new toy. Um, I mean, security was, I mean, gosh, if you think about it, like security was like a, a great plus, but now more than ever, it's, it's a must have, right? Now you've got nation Absolutely. state cybersecurity warfare going on. And it doesn't matter if it's a small business owner or large enterprise space, they're going to mess with you. It's about money. Oh yeah. It's about, you know, ransomware. Like, geez, I mean, just how that's evolved over time. It's got to be insane. Yeah. Are your clients, um, I'm assuming because you're in the enterprise space, they're educated and they understand, but do you still find yourself having to explain or more of this is more of the, how do I do, how do I, how do you help them position the business? Um, reasoning for their justifications for expenditure. That, that's also been a little bit of a shift too, <clears throat> especially since COVID happened a couple of years back. Um, I think it gave customers more of a reset um, and, and for good or for worse, it allowed finance and procurement to kind of run the show a little bit more than just the IT folks that you talk to. Um, so budgets are shrinking and consolidation. They're actually reviewing what they've already spent um, and making sure that it's actually providing any type of value. Um, and some customers are ripping stuff out. Some customers are adopting new stuff. Um, some customers are going in with platform approaches. Um, but I think that the trust factor, you always have to have that brand behind you, that customer's trust. And that is a huge help, right? Big, that's like number one sales. If you get behind a, uh, if you have a, co uh, a company that you work for, that is a trusted brand. Mm -hmm. That goes a long way. Yeah. You know, what's funny is, um, you know, we, we talk about this with new, new sales, right? It's like, it's oftentimes you fall into the, I don't want to call it fall into the trap, but it's just natural human behavior to go into sales mode, to be transactional. So 
what advice would you give someone that wants to break in to sales? Maybe have a cyber, they are wanting to get break into cybersecurity specifically, but sales, um, what advice would you give them as they start their career? I would say, um, I think you really have to have a passion for technology. Uh, you really have to understand it. I think that's one thing where, you know, me and myself, uh, sometimes I lag because I grew up in the days of relationship-based selling. You know this, right? 20 some odd years ago. And that still holds true today. But to, in today's world, if you're just starting out in cybersecurity, I would really, you know, tell the individual, have a passion for the technology because that goes a long way because technology changes every two seconds. There's more competitors. There's more ways to integrate. You know, that's first and foremost. And if you don't have that passion for technology, then the rest of the stuff's just not going to make any sense. You know, I think there's some truth to that. I think with cybersecurity specifically is uh, you have to want to learn. You have to have that curious mm -hmm. mind to constantly say, okay, I'm going to challenge myself to say, okay, there's a new threat out there because the threats will yeah. always come out. I mean, I mean, if you ever want to not be bored, definitely go into cybersecurity people. Let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> and, and, and the reason why I'm kind of honing in on cybersecurity specifically is a, because you know, Jared, you our backgrounds, but also um, full disclosure, I'm a huge advocate for getting people into cyber or for those that are doing career transitions to get into cyber. Um, it's, it's an industry that will always be growing for as long as we have digital IP, anything you, anyone that's talking about IOT smart cities, I mean, boom, when the toaster has an IP address, there's security issues and ramifications around that, right? Yep. And um, so actually, uh, recently, my company, Innovation Media Enterprises, partnered up with this amazing woman, Anu Kukar, and she is launching this campaign called Switch to Cyber. So hashtag Switch to Cyber. And I forgot to make a graphic for it. So my bad, Anu, I'll put it in the show notes. But Switch to Cyber is going to be, is an international um, movement to bring awareness globally that every skill set is welcome. There's like over 55 or 60 different type of career roles within cybersecurity that you can entertain. One of which is today's conversation was sales. I right. think people assume when they're going into college and they're like, I want to go into cybersecurity. So therefore I go into computer science. Yeah, we definitely need programmers, you guys. Um, but there's more to it than that. So Jared, you being a sales sales guy. Talk to me about how your relationship is with your pre-sales engineer or your solutions architect. I don't know what the titles are these days, but your techie techie yeah. counterpart. That's, I mean, <clears throat> that's probably the, if you're, that's the critical piece of the, of the puzzle here, right? Um, you have to have a really good SA or security architect, security engineer, sales engineer. Um, and it just can't be the guy that or the lady that says, okay, you go take care of tickets or you follow up with tack issues and all this other stuff. No, he has to be an extension of you from a sales perspective, right? And if you mm -hmm. don't have a good relationship with him, you're going to fail um, as a sales professional in this business because you guys have to be interlocked 24-7. Uh, he has to understand what you're doing. You have to understand what he's doing. Or she, golfing, you know, what, or she, whatever, um, you know, take that golfing, you know, whatever. So, you know, that relationship is almost as critical as the relationships you have with your customers, even better. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree uh, more on that. And, and the thing is about this is like, you can, the thing about tech sales, okay, is you're 
job, your priority is to provide technical validation, to identify technically your client's environment, to see how your solution will fit with them or if it answers their business questions that they're asking, which is, hey, I don't want any more ransomware attacks to fill my gaps, right? The sales role is to identify that from a business perspective, to see and help and collaborate with their client to understand how it fits into the overall business scheme. So you guys, it's like two different lanes, two very completely different conversations, I feel, right? And yes. so um, tell me if it's shifted. I have, I've been out since 2017, so you tell me if I've shifted or not. For me as a sales rep, my conversations really lied within management, as in the C-suite, the senior director, VP level. And of course, within that, that, that has tweaks, right? Mm-hmm. Technology, the tech sales folks, are the ones that are typically working with the IT director and the actual practitioners, the executioners, the, the professionals itself that are doing the actual security management, et cetera. Has that shifted at all? Or have you seen maybe crossover or is it pretty much still pretty much everyone's got their lanes still? To a certain extent, everybody still kind of has their lanes a little bit. But I think what you're talking about is the personas within the organization, right? So there's different levels within your customer, right? You have the C-suite, you have directors, you have architects, you have cloud architects, network architects, you have incident response teams. You as a salesperson have to understand those personas and what the value is of your solution to each one of them. Because an incident responder has this has different values than the CISO or maybe in the CIO, et cetera. Um, you have to sell differently, right? There's just different things, right? Incident responder or network security architect, you have to sell basic you know, network security, right? Speeds and feeds, like things like that. Security is like how much visibility can I consolidate stuff? Do I have the ability to prevent first and then detect later? CISO is mm-hmm. like, I just don't want to be in the news. How does this correlate from an ROI perspective? So those different personas, you have to have different conversations at each level of the organization when you're trying to sell your product. Oh, I love it. I love that you pointed out. So you got a question, my friend. So hey, Eddie out of Dallas, and he actually has his own security uh, uh, services, professional services uh, company here in Dallas. Uh, So question, and he's also a member of GLOW, Global Leaders Organization, which I'm a Dallas chair of. Go glow. Um, so question <laughs> for you, my friend, is uh, for your panelist, esteemed panelist, I'm going to add the BS factor there. Since uh, the onsite of Log4j and ransomware, how do you find not just a sales, but technical sales for both pre-sales and post-sales support, then a technical staff only? So are you, okay, I'm going to try to understand your English there, Eddie. I know you're typing fast. So with, with all these like attacks, like Log4j and ransomware and all that good stuff, um, how have you guys adjusted accordingly um, between when you're in pre-sales mode to post-sales mode. Okay. So, okay. I think I got what you're saying. So let's say your client got attacked and there's, they saw an incident. How do you approach it from a post-sales perspective? Let's say you did get, they did get ransomware and your solution somehow missed the ball. How do you guys handle that? Well, obviously we don't want that to happen to any of our customers, right? Uh, and if, if we did have our solution in place and our solution did not catch a ransomware, that's obviously a huge black eye. And the chances of that customer wanting to work with you ever again, it, it might be, you know, dropping by the minute. Um, but second. if you take, uh, yeah, by, this, by the second, right? Um, I think if you take the company I work for, right? Um, we have a great incident response group, right? It's called Unit 42. It's fantastic. Um, they can engage with those people. From a sales perspective, 
Um, I've always been on the side of let me provide some help as opposed to selling the fear or saying you need to buy this right now to protect. And usually a response like this would come from a corporate level like, hey, we're going to offer a free assessment or a free tabletop exercise for ransomware or something to provide the customer in this critical time more visibility like a forensics piece on an endpoint agent or a server, which is a post-infection data collection tool that we have. So those things we're providing to our customers, uh, which could help or uh, the sales cycle for future business in the time of need without having to rush them with, hey, I have this solution, or I can help you with this. Because I think a lot of vendors, when they hear about some sort of a, a breach or an attack like Log4j, et cetera, they really rush to the customers and bombard them with, you know, buy this, buy that. And it's just not, not a good selling approach, in my opinion. Did we lose you? We might have lost Sia here. Anyways, maybe it's just me. Any other questions? Eddie, that's a good question, actually, because uh, the Log4j was a pretty substantial um, you know, uh, incident that happened. Obviously, there's been quite a few over the last uh, couple of years that have been obviously really detrimental to a lot of companies. Um, but you need to tell your tailor your sales and no, Michael, exactly. But you have to tailor your your sales uh, motions to adjust to the customer, right? Because if you are going to be tagging the customer when they have an event and not tagging them when they don't have an event, the customer is not going to be uh, a big fan of yours, right? So don't, you know, selling fear is one thing. A lot of companies do it. Uh, you know, it, it's to a certain extent a decent sales tactic. But at the end of the day, if you're only talking to your customers when they have a security event, they're not going to do business with you. Oh, I love it. And did you, I missed half of that. So hopefully everyone that's talking <laughs> got it. Oh my God, you guys. Like I'm literally just laughing. This poor girl is like watching me. Um, I forgot to plug in my laptop. So <laughs> thank nice. you, Zell, for shutting down, you piece of crap. Okay. Yeah, oh, well, I didn't say that loud. Sorry. That wasn't me. It was user <laughs> error. User error on my part. So no, um, I hope you answered that question. <laughs> Sorry, Jared. No, it's okay. So, okay let's no, let's okay. talk about the, the lighter side of the, the, the lighter side of life, if you don't mind, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, Mike. Okay, boom. Look at this. I love him. He's so funny. He's like, just keep talking. That was good. I like that. <laughs> boom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um you, you know, <coughs> something that I've discovered over time is that um, and this is why I left corporate America to be brutally honest. I'm asking you because you're in it still. And I just can't find my the soul in me to go back into tech sales, which is um, what's kept you motivated to stay in the industry. And you, it's okay to say money. Okay. It's a hundred percent sales, but what else is keeping you in it? Or is it just purely money at this point? That's a tough question to ask because uh, you know, I've been doing this for over 20 years and I mean, I'll, blatantly honest it's it's a very financially rewarding career you know and i think people understand that right um if you're in sales you know the one thing that i enjoy about sales still is you get out what you put in right i can work my ass off at any other company doing a nine-to-five job and i still get paid the same i can work my ass off here 
sell more stuff, make more commission, make more money, and gets me to my financial goals a little bit quicker than a normal, you know, desk job, right? Um, yes, there's travel. Yes, there's inspection. Yes, there's stress. Yes, there's anxiety. But, you know, the reason why that you're in this position is because you represent a revenue stream for the, for the company you work for. And as long as you are producing higher revenues for the company, yep. you know, that comes with a level of responsibility, right? And that's why you have forecast calls weekly. That's why you have customer success plannings and opportunity reviews and bosses texting you and emailing you, where's this, where's that, especially at the end of the quarter. Um, but that's requirement because of the level of compensation that you get for positions like this it comes with the territory. Awesome. Sorry. There was a little bit of an interruption. There's something if you heard that. Um, <laughs> You're good. <laughs> yeah, no, so I'm trying to like multitask here because apparently um, I'm getting text messages from the studio up there. So it's so much fun. Like, you know, managing some <laughs> stuff going on. Um, so, okay. Let me ask you this then. So, um, do you recommend a career in sales? It doesn't have to be cyber, but sales in general. I would say yes. I mean, it's worked out well for me. Uh, I think if you know how to just talk to people, if you know how to have conversations and you're not afraid of jumping in and meeting new people or you know having random conversations, then you could do sales, right? Obviously, you'll have to figure out what you know, products or whatever you're going to want to sell. But at the end of the day, people buy still from people who they trust and who they like, right? And that's a pretty big component. As long as you can talk the game, uh, jump on into it, right? Try it out. There's tons of sales jobs out there. And yes, it's going to be stressful at times and it's going to be hard work, but it's very rewarding. I think just having a breadth of knowledge and talking to different random customers, different levels of organizations, it's still fun to me from that aspect. It is. And you know, it's funny. It's kind of like that gratifying, like if you can help solve a problem like that puzzle, you know, sometimes it's elusive. Sometimes it's just some basic as helping them better message, you yeah. know, the priorities. Right. And and it's so funny because it's not what you would typically think of as a sales role. Right. right. Sometimes it's just a shoulder to cry on, man. Like, how many times have you taken like a client out when it's been just a really crap old day and they're like, I need out of here. And you're like, Hey, I'm here. Let's hang out. Yeah. Um, Cause I think again, the day we're all human. Right. Well, I mean, it happens now. I mean, you know, we're we're still coming out of this Zoom culture that we've had the last couple of years, and there's been countless times where they just don't show up to the Zoom meeting. You know, and uh, that's also something you have to adapt to uh, as being a salesperson. It's almost like being an actor; like you get rejected a lot, and if you don't like rejection, not the career choice for you. <laughs> legit like when I, yeah. I was actually talking to someone I said hey you need thick skin like and they're like what does that mean and I was like oh my god you don't know what that means like, like yeah. okay here we right. go how do I describe this like if you like to get beat up on and not and be Teflon and they're like what's Teflon I'm like oh my gosh I'm getting old right. yeah no it's, it's 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 a real thing I mean it's it, it, the rejection is is a real thing in this industry because yeah. especially now when you have <clears throat> you know so many different levels of people that you have to talk to. There's so many lack of, of cybersecurity talent out there, which means there's more workload on the existing customers that are in security and the customers that you're talking to. So you have to be a little empathetic with their side as well, um, instead of just forcing your sales aspect on them, you know? 
Yeah. Uh, so, you know, now it's a little bit open, you know, take him out golfing, go, get him to a happy hour, take him to lunch. And sometimes don't even talk about business. Yeah. Just talk about their family or talk about their life, you know, get to know them a little bit better because, you know, what you want to do is you want to get to a point where you move to another company and you call that same customer and you, they take a meeting right away. And that's the, the cycle of sales is when you move to different companies, you bring that trust factor with you and you bring those relationships with you as well. Okay, there's two things here that I want to mention, and I know one I have to mention, or otherwise I'm going to get my unit get chewed out, which is there isn't a shortage of talent in cybersecurity. There is a hiring process challenge in cybersecurity. So again, hashtag switch to cyber, got your back anew. Um, and CFF, by the way, who is our sponsor for the CISO Diaries, which is my other podcast show. But it is this. I don't understand this. I don't know if you've seen this. And I don't know if it happens in the sales side of the house where they write these like requirements down that it's like, you need to be a CISSP to do an entry level cybersecurity job. And I'm like, the hell is that? What BS is that? Like that makes absolutely <coughs> zero sense to me. So are you, are you seeing that too? And in, 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 even in sales to have some level of like extra certifications to even get in? Or is that just in the quote professional roles within cyber or when I say I professional, so. the dedicated practitioner roles in cyber. Right. But I think, um, yes and no. I think, you know, I don't go too much into, you know, when my customers have an opening or, or the requirements needed, but they do tend to now hire wherever. You know, before it's like if a company was based here in Arizona, they would only hire folks here in Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's something that's also been a fundamental shift over the last two years with this whole, you know, work from anywhere movement since, you know, from COVID is especially in IT. You can work anywhere at any company in IT because a lot of the stuff that you're touching is mostly done through your laptop or your computer, all remote, all that kind of jazz. So that's a thing where um, I've seen the shift for is, is customers that I have in Vegas or in Orange County, they, you know, maybe their CISO sits in Portland or in Texas, right? And that's a, that's a shift. And, you know, it was a little bit back in the day, but now it's widespread where not everybody you need to talk to in the organization is in your backyard. Right. Right. So, if this whole idea being the, the remote and finding that, that great talent, uh, everyone's in the backyard, is that, do you think it's going to shift the workday then? Um, cybersecurity is a 24 seven type of job, if you will. Do you, or have you seen a shift where it's kind of like on call or is it still pretty much solidly guys? We're going to keep, uh, you know, the standard working hours, if you will. I think the standard working hours are there. It depends. Uh, it depends on the customer and their environment. Um, you know, <clears throat> as a sales professional, you're kind of on the clock 24 seven. So that is never going to go away. Uh, but cause you have to support your customers, but on the, on the customer side, I think working from home or having this remote aspect allows them to put in a little bit more time because it's readily available to them to just walk into the other room, fire up their laptop and handle an email instead of waiting to the next day when you get into the office. So, I think that's not going to change. I think most people that I talk to prefer either a hybrid approach or just not going in at all. Hybrid approach. Okay. So has things shifted for you guys on sales as far as are they requiring you guys? I mean, look, it's easy to sit in our, I mean, we've worked 
we've telecommuted for 20 plus years, telecommuted. Right. What a, what a freaking old school term that is. Right. But we've worked <laughs> remotely for the last 20 odd years. Um, are you seeing companies shifting saying, no, you need to get back out in the field or everyone's been kind of like, okay, it's your call yeah. to decide whether you want to do virtual or not. It, it's shifting, right? I think it's, it's, <clears throat> especially in the organization that I'm in, um, the requirement to get out and see the customers is starting to ramp back, uh, ramp back up. But at the mm-hmm. same time, which is totally fine, um, you know, uh, but at the same time, it's like your customers are going to want to see you. And that's something that's. Uh, Do they really you know, want to see your face? I mean, come on, dude. Look, look, look at our mugs, <laughs> no, man. We're, we're old. Uh, lunches, dinners, golf events. I mean, those are the heavy hitters right there, right? You can get anybody to go out. I mean, we were, we had an event at Pelican Hill last week in uh, Orange County and had a really good golf round with, with uh, one of my customers. And we didn't talk. We talked like zero business. And it was fantastic. I found out a lot about him. Uh, about his kids and just his way of life. And he had a really good golf game, even though I was terrible. But those situations are easily to get the customer out of the work environment because at the end of the day, you have to build the trust and the relationship. And that's mostly done outside of the customer's office. Uh, mm. So that's a critical piece as well. Well, that, and that is right there. I think um, the, that human element, I guess, is outside. I guess you have to bathe and get ready and do your job again, I guess. Oh, was it hard for you? Oh, sorry. Um, what was the question? No, no. <laughs> was was it hard for you to readjust and get back out there? It was tough. I mean, it was tough because you know when I when I made a switch to the company I'm at right now, which was August of 2019. From August of 2019 through the end of that year, I was on 26 flights, and that was a lot because I covered uh, four states and. and then it kind of rolled into the beginning of 2020 and then COVID hit and I was like, Oh, thank you. And then I had a little bit of a break and then it just got into a routine where everything I was doing was right here in front of my face on my laptop screen. Um, and then now as it's opening back up, now I'm going to have to readjust, you know, my, my schedule to go back to trying to be on a flight every single week. Right. And there was actually a really funny story. Um, here in Arizona when we opened up just a little bit about a year ago and uh my first like in-person meeting was with a client out here in Tempe and I was like and I was like found out that the CIO was flying in from the Bay Area for this meeting I was like oh this is great oh so I go into my go in my closet and all my work clothes are just completely dusted and I'm just like (laughs) and I'm just like shaking them off and right wiping them down I'm like this is terrible so I show up, business casual, right? Uh, everything basically except the suit, uh, the, the coat, the jacket, because it was still in the summer here. And we go in the meeting. He shows up, t-shirt and shorts. And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> like, I mean, so this is like, this is another thing too, is like you've seen these people come into these meetings like less and less, you know, dress appropriately type thing, which is fantastic. I mean, I mean, I, I don't, I've never bought products or anything from people that wear suits or, or, or nice dresses and stuff. Right. So I'm okay with dressing, you know, casual in these meetings and hopefully maybe that's a shift too. I don't know. (laughs) No, I kind of, I'm torn on that whole dress casual versus not. I personally am a a casual person in my personal life, but I do kind of like dressing up for work. I do want to give the respect to the client to say, Hey, look, I'm, I bathed for you. Okay. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? I think it's, I don't know. There's something about that. I think Dressing up does give you this air of authority or give you a little boost of like oomph, I personally think. But then again, 
it just depends on my mood too. And I, and I wondered, I guess you have to play based on what your client really wants. It's not just you, it's what your client wants, right? If they're all suit and tie people, then you definitely should be wearing a suit Absolutely. and tie. If they're t-shirt and flip-flops, then please, for the love of all things, I've seen your feet, Jerry, please don't wear flip-flops to a meeting. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I don't think I could ever go flip-flops. I mean, maybe not shorts, but you know, jeans and a nice polo, I think that's getting a little more acceptable. I, I mean, I don't, it really depends on your audience. I mean, if I'm going to go see a CEO or CIO or something, I'm probably going to dress up, right? right. If I'm going to see like my buddy, that's the network security guy. I mean, maybe a polo and, and jeans. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. A, a couple of good comments here from, from Tony and Mike, right? I mean, those are really good points, right? I mean, Sales is a position where you should be helping the client individual meet their goals and needs. Absolutely. 100%. And then Michael said something about talk less um, about your business, right? And that's oh, another great point one. because, yeah, that's another great point because, you know, you need to have the customer talk more. The more the customer talks, the more information you have. And the more information that's you right. have, the better you can articulate a plan to sell more of your product into that customer. Oh my God. Can I just tell you, this is not the Jared I knew 20 years ago. What happened to you, man? You actually like matured up and became a decent sales rep, my friend. Well, maybe I don't know about decent sales rep, but I can hold my own. <laughs> God, we got old, man. No, it's really, I'm really proud of your career and just hearing you talk and like us when we were just starting out ourselves. And, and I think that's a reminder for everyone to know that like, look, you know, sales, just like any other role is you, you got to learn it. You got to kind of be on the job and, and learn how to articulate yourself and find your voice. That's a big thing. And find your Absolutely. personality as you connect with people and uh, just seeing and hearing you, Jared, my goodness gracious. I always thought you were good. I gave you a hard time because <laughs> you wouldn't fill out the forms correctly. And then I get yelled at and heaven knows. And anyone in sales, CRM is going to be the bane of your existence, but I'm a hypocrite. Every single boss gave me sh crap reviews because they're like, hey, you do a great job, but your CRM, can you put some entries in there, please? <laughs> yeah, it's still that's still to this day. I'm not a not a big fan of of, of adding stuff onto spreadsheets and, and uh stuff <sighs> like that. So <laughs> but it's no. part of the game. It's part that's of the game. part of the so. discipline. I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. It's not all fun and games and golfing, Mr. Jared. But hey man, we went I long wish. and uh, I just want to say I'm so glad that you decided to reach out and be like, what's this podcast business see? I want to have some fun with it. So what did you think of your first experience, my friend? It was good. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the questions were great. The feedback in the chat, your questions were phenomenal driving the conversation. So no, this is fun. I mean, I can have these conversations all day. Well, hey, and I've told all their salespeople, you should have your own podcast. Talk to your clients and no faster way for someone to get to know you than these types of conversations. Just throwing it out there, companies. That's right. Fund your sales reps. This is really a great way of building credibility, especially locally, if you want to get to know your uh, clients and prospects and whatnot. So yeah. that that was my sales pitch, damn it. And I'm just going to go with it. So, uh, so you still got it. I, <laughs> it's the I love you. And then I'm going to kiss and, right. is it kiss and kick and pull. Um, so, Jared, any, any final parting thoughts uh, for those that are looking to enter a career in sales and or cybersecurity sales? I would say if you wanted to get into, if you had interest in getting into cybersecurity sales, um, you know, <clears throat> there's a couple of different places that you can start outside, you know, taking classes or whatever. But um, I, I think, you know, places like CDW and Insight, I know people kind of bash on those kind of places, SHI, whatever. But 
if you go to a place like that to kind of cut your teeth in sales, you learn a lot about a lot of different technologies. And, um, you know, instead of just me being at the company I'm at, where I have, you know, a subset of, of, of technologies to work with, at those companies or resellers, you have a full bag of products to sell. And if you really want to get into it, I would start either at a partner level because that's where you're going to understand customer interaction. That's where you're going to understand business planning and account planning and understanding multiple products to help your customers. Um, instead of going straight to like one vendor that has one product, right? Learn everything, how it works together. And that's going to set you up really good for the future. Oh, I love that advice. And you know, it's funny, the irony being we didn't do that. We went straight to an OEM. And so in hindsight, yeah, yeah, having that ability to actually like see non-bias, right? It's great to root for your team. But as you switch and you, and I think we've all learned this as as Sonic Wallers have like spread throughout the whole cybersecurity industry. um, It's interesting. You, You see each solution's perspectives and they each have the pros and cons. Let's be honest, right? Not, not Correct. one solution is going to be like perfect or number one. So Jared Keesling, you are a rock star. I love you. I honestly have always appreciated uh, your support on everything and uh, man alive. I wish you continued success, my friend. I mean, damn it. I used to give you such a hard time. And now here <laughs> I am saying like, <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Well, thank you for all the tutelage you gave me 20 years ago. So it's definitely paid off. <laughs> in that case, you can buy me a steak dinner here in Texas, man. Hey, I'll, t- I'll definitely do that. All right, my, my friend. All right, guys. So that's Jared Keesling. He is a regional sales manager at a company that I chose not to talk about, although it was someone typed it up. Um, but if you do want to get into cybersecurity, by all means, check out some great work that a lot of nonprofits are working towards. Hashtag uh, switch to cyber with a new, uh, it's a huge global um, campaign that's uh, just got launched this month. And also Cyber Future Foundation. Check those guys out. They are so dedicated in connecting public and private sector together uh, in a way where we have a protected future, you guys, because, because, because geopolitical uh, awesomeness is going to hit home to us very quickly. So on that positive note, though, let's not get nuked. Um, Let's go ahead and uh, deuces out here. Thanks for listening to the Mike is listening.